Imagine these men acting on these self-confident assumptions and torturing Jeremiah, throwing the prophet into a pit. They could never have known that it would be their names that we would remember today in order to reconnect with Jeremiah himself and with his prophecies. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 156, The Archaeologist and Jeremiah's Jerusalem. I'm Mayor Soloveitcher. Today we return to Elat Mazar, one of the greatest archaeologists in Jewish history. Her excavations in the city of David and near the Temple Mount have bridged the millennia and allowed us to touch in a very real way the age of famous biblical figures, Hezekiah, Isaiah, David himself. But some of her most fascinating discoveries pertain to obscure figures whom no one could have predicted we would remember today. Discoveries that in a very real way allow us to feel in a profound manner the wonder that is Jewish history. In order to appreciate the fascinating finds of Elat Mazar that pertain to our passages in Jeremiah, we must look carefully at the beginnings of chapters 37 and 38. After discussing in 36 the reign of Jehoiakim, we are all of a sudden taken years forward to Zedekiah, the last Jewish king of Jerusalem. He is placed on the throne by Nebuchadnezzar after his predecessor, Jehonia, is taken into exile to Babel along with Jerusalem's elite. But Zedekiah seeks to rebel against Nebuchadnezzar and believes that he can succeed just as Jerusalem has sustained itself against previous empire's assaults. He therefore sends members of his court to ask Jeremiah to pray to God that the battle, the rebellion against Babylon's domination, should ultimately be successful. Chapter 37, verse 3. Pay close attention to the names. And Zedekiah the king sent Yehukal the son of Shalamiah and Zephaniah the son of Messiah the priest to the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Pray now unto the Lord our God for us. Now Jeremiah came in and went out among the people, for they had not yet put him into prison. Then Pharaoh's army was come forth out of Egypt. And when the Chaldeans that besieged Jerusalem heard tidings of them, they departed from Jerusalem. In other words, the Chaldeans, Nebuchadnezzar's army, leaves the sacred city in order to battle against Egypt. Thus, salvation seems suddenly to have arrived. But Jeremiah assures Jerusalem that it has not. Verse 6. Then came the word of the Lord unto the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Thus shall ye say to the king of Judah that sent you unto me to inquire of me, Behold, Pharaoh's army which has come forth to help you shall return to Egypt into their own land, and the Chaldeans shall come again and fight against this city, and take it, and burn it with fire. The army of the Chaldeans, Jeremiah promises, the army of Nebuchadnezzar will return to Jerusalem. And before that occurs, Jeremiah seeks to leave the city. He is caught and falsely accused of treason. Verse 11. And it came to pass that when the army of the Chaldeans was broken up from Jerusalem for fear of Pharaoh's army, then Jeremiah went forth out of Jerusalem to go into the land of Benjamin to separate himself thence in the midst of the people. And when he was in the gate of Benjamin, a captain of the ward was there whose name was Iriah, the son of Shalamiah, the son of Hananiah. And he took Jeremiah the prophet, saying, Thou fallest away to the Chaldeans. Then said Jeremiah, It is false. I fall not away to the Chaldeans. But he hearkened not to him, so Iria took Jeremiah and brought him to the princes. Wherefore the princes were wroth with Jeremiah and smote him and put him in prison in the house of Jonathan the scribe, for they had made that the prison. Thus begins Jeremiah's incarceration in the Jerusalem of Zedekiah. Even as he sits, the captive of the king, Jeremiah refuses to tell the last Davidic ruler what he wants to hear, informing him instead of the truth that only if the king surrenders to Nebuchadnezzar can the temple and the city be saved. This brings us to the first part of the archaeological episode that we recount today, 
In an article in the Biblical Archaeological Review, Elat Mazar describes bringing home one evening an artifact from the city of David. Listen carefully. Quote, The object that was perhaps our most startling find dates to the last period of use of the large stone structure from the period just before the Babylonian destruction. It was a seal impression called a bula that once sealed a document, which has long since disintegrated. Like bule generally, this one is like a flattened ball of clay about the size of a fingernail. The credit for its discovery goes to the hawk eyes of Yoav Farhi, the supervisor of our area A. He spotted it at the exact moment when the sun's rays illuminated the letters. Without this particular lighting, you can see nothing. Even when the bulla is lit from various directions, only letter fragments are visible. Lighting from a certain specific direction, however, suddenly illuminates all of the letters as if by magic. The bulla contains three lines of ancient Hebrew script. Yoav quickly deciphered part of a name in the second line. S? Question mark. L-M. Shalem. I took the bulla home that night. Well into the night when the children were asleep and the house was quiet, I began to study it. Slowly, I deciphered the name in the first line. Yehuchal. Could it be a biblical name? I did not recall any Yehuchal in the Bible. Perhaps my reading of the name was wrong. But just to make sure, I pulled from the shelf a biblical encyclopedia. There he was, as large as life, in the book of the prophet Jeremiah. King Zedekiah sent Yehuchal, Jehuchal in English Bibles, son of Shalemiah, to the prophet Jeremiah to pray for the people. Jeremiah 37.3. In the following chapter, we learn that this same man, who was a royal minister, heard the decidedly unwelcome predictions of disaster coming from Jeremiah's lips. When I opened the encyclopedia and saw the same name in the Bible as was on the bula, I let out a shriek of surprise that rang out through the still house. Fortunately, the children slept soundly. I felt as though I had just resurrected someone straight out of the Bible. There is something else unusual about this bula. It read, Belonging to Yehuchal ben, the son of Shalamiahu ben Shovi. Thus we now know the name of Yehuchal's grandfather, as well as his father. Why did Yehuchal mention his grandfather on his seal? This was hardly the standard practice. Perhaps his grandfather was a distinguished, well-known figure in his own right. End quote. Thus, ladies and gentlemen, Elat Mazar had found the seal of the very man mentioned at the beginning of chapter 37, the man sent by Zedekiah to ask the prophet for prayer. There is, I would add, as an aside, a poignancy to Elat Mazar's reference to having a distinguished grandfather in Jerusalem, for she herself followed in the footsteps of her own distinguished grandfather, Binyamin Mazar, who had also excavated ancient Jerusalem. But unlike Yehuchal, who refused to listen to Jeremiah and did not seek to prevent the destruction of Jerusalem, Mazar and her distinguished grandfather worked to bring ancient Jerusalem back to life. This brings us to chapter 38. Members of the king's court, angry that the imprisoned Jeremiah persists in predicting destruction, treat him even more terribly. One of these men is the very same Yehuchal. But note, as we read this chapter, other names that appear as well. Then Shephatiah, the son of Matan, and Gedaliah, the son of Pashur, and Yehuchal, the son of Shlamiah, and Pashur, the son of Malchiah, heard the words that Jeremiah had spoken unto all the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, He that remaineth in the city shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. But he that goeth forth to the Chaldeans shall live, for he shall have his life for a prey and shall live. Thus saith the Lord, This city shall surely be given into the hands of the king of Babylon's army, which shall take it. Therefore the princes said unto the king, We beseech thee, Let this man be put to death, for thus he weakeneth the hands of the men of war that remain in this city, and the hands of all the people in speaking such words unto them. For this man seeketh not the welfare of this people, 
but the hurt. Then Zedekiah the king said, Behold, he is in your hand, for the king is not he that can do anything against you. Then took they Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Malchiah the son of Hamelech, that was in the court of the prison, and they let down Jeremiah with cords. And in the dungeon there was no water but mire. So Jeremiah sunk in the mire. So chapter 38 tells us, and we should pay heed, ladies and gentlemen, to the phrase describing the pit in which Jeremiah found himself. We are told that in the dungeon there was no water. This is an obvious allusion to an earlier story, to Genesis, where Joseph's brothers throw him into a pit. And we are told, the pit was empty. It had no water. And as we read a parallel tale here, we are intended to understand the bitter irony. Jerusalem, as we have previously discussed, is truly brought into being through the merging of the territories of Judah and Benjamin, a reminder of how the joining of Judah and Benjamin brought resolution to the Joseph story. Jerusalem, in other words, is a symbol of the healing following the crime against Joseph, a symbol of the union of brethren. And now, instead of heeding Jeremiah's warning and saving that very same city of Jerusalem, they are again throwing a great biblical leader into a pit. At this point, a servant of the king named Eved Melech pleads with Zedekiah to show mercy. Verse 8. Eved Melech went forth out of the king's house and spoke unto the king, saying, My lord the king, these men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the dungeon, and he is likely to die for hunger in the place where he is, for there is no more bread into the city. Zedekiah heeds Eved Melech's pleas. Ropes or cords are lowered down, and Zedekiah is taken out of the dungeon and placed back into prison. Chapter 38 thus describes how Jeremiah was profoundly mistreated by Yehuchal and other members of the court. Now, fascinatingly, sometime after finding the aforementioned bull of Yehuchal, another seal was discovered by Mazar's team, right near where the previous one had been discovered. And this one bore the name of another man, Gedalia ben Pashur. This is one of the other members of the court that sought to harm Jeremiah. And he is mentioned in the very same verse in chapter 38, our chapter, that also mentions Yehuchal. Thus, the foreign ministry of Israel announced, quote, a 2,600-year-old clay seal impression, or bula, bearing the name Gedalia ben Pashur has recently been uncovered, completely intact during archaeological excavations in Jerusalem's ancient city of David, located just below the walls of the old city near the Dung Gate. The name appears in the book of Jeremiah 38.1, together with that of Yehuchal ben Shlamya, whose name was found on an identical clay bula in the same area in 2005. The two men were ministers in the court of King Zedekiah, the last king to rule in Jerusalem before the destruction of the first temple. According to Dr. Elat Mazar of the Hebrew University, who was leading the dig, this is the first time in the annals of Israeli archaeology that two clay bulae with two biblical names that appear in the same verse in the Bible have been unearthed in the same location. It is not often that such a discovery happens in which real figures of the past shake off the dust of history and so vividly revive the stories of the Bible, Mazar noted. The first bula was uncovered inside an impressive stone structure which Mazar believes to be the Palace of David, while the second bula was found at the foot of the external wall of the same structure, under a tower that was built in the days of Nehemiah. Both bulae clearly preserved, measuring one centimeter in diameter each and lettered in ancient Hebrew, were found among the debris of the destruction of the first temple period, end quote. Ladies and gentlemen, imagine these men, Yehuchal and Gedaliah, scoffing at Jeremiah, each of them respectively so self-assured and certain of Jerusalem's invulnerability. 
so convinced that Jeremiah would be proven wrong. Imagine these men acting on these self-confident assumptions and torturing Jeremiah, throwing the prophet into a pit. They could never have known that it would be their names that we would remember today in order to reconnect with Jeremiah himself and with his prophecies as we reflect with wonder on the profundity of his story and the vision that he expressed. These men said Jerusalem would never fall, and yet we find their seals right near each other, just as their names are right near each other in biblical verse, excavated under the rubble of centuries, rubble that testifies to the many times Jerusalem has been destroyed. But what we feel here, ladies and gentlemen, is not only connection to Jeremiah's warnings of destruction, but also, and perhaps even more profoundly, an understanding of the vindication of the message of hope that Jeremiah's prophecies expressed, a message and an assurance that one day Jews would return to Jerusalem. And so it is, as an archaeologist gave us discoveries that bring the Bible to life, allowing us not only to marvel at the rebuilt Jerusalem of our age, but also how through Elat Mazar's work, the Jerusalem of Jeremiah lives once again. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together tomorrow, signing off.